lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's, it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our, our safety. safety. Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us on location today. Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Tom. Good morning, everybody. And uh, we are here to take your financial questions today. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Even though Merle's on location, we have the technology. Just we like have the, the technology. Six, we can still hear. <laughs> like the $6 million man. Hopefully, yeah, we can still hear. But uh, give us a call here if you have a question about your portfolio uh, moving forward. I guess I thought we could maybe use today to answer some of the questions that you get on a regular basis from your clients, because I would imagine that for every client that asks you a question, uh, there are, are probably a whole bunch of other people that have that same question. Oh, geez, what, yeah, yeah. what are the, what are the things that you hear the most from your clients, uh, when they come into your office? Well, the biggest one we had, and of course, uh, if uh, you folks didn't know, but last weekend we were out in Boston, did a little bit of vacation out there and had a nice time. So, uh, and because of my scheduling geniusness, we had to do a best of last week, which means uh, I scheduled a radio show at the same time the ferry to Salem happened. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, I didn't think it was really good to do a radio show bouncing around in the, you know, without internet in the Boston Harbor. It might have been interesting, though, if you got seasick while you were in the air. <laughs> Notice I got that, Tom. I got the haba. I got that stuff nailed now. Right. Yeah, just take you all had lobster. Hard, you had lobster all and chowder. And turn them into A's. You're good. <laughs> yeah, 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 we got yeah, that yeah. nailed. <laughs> you know, so, so one of the things that we had throughout the course of last week and clients calling in while we were gone, and of course, while we're out, we still have questions, is the big thing is when's the stock market going to come down? And so it's not even a question of how's the stock market doing? Are we making money lately? It's been when's the stock market coming down? And of course, my answer is um, tomorrow. Well, I don't know, but I mean, just guess. You know, so so we don't know what's going on with the marketplace. We have to take a look at, you know, what's going on with the economic economy and what's going on with the economics and that kind of stuff. But there's an article that's out there, and if I can put my glasses back on, I'll be able to see the name who wrote the article. But uh, we have an article out here by William Watts uh, that's out there, and it was actually um, from yesterday. So this article was written before we saw the 270 point down in the Dow yesterday. But it says the risk of a hard stock market valuation correction is growing says Deutsche Bank, and here's why. So they go through and they you know, they do put some hard numbers for the stuff and did a really nice job. And by the way, folks, I do recommend this article because it is that good. You know, they take a look at the valuation of the stock market, but everybody wants to know when's the correction happening. And so on that, you know, we look around and say, is it going to occur? Well, if we put some numbers to it, we haven't had a 5% pullback in the marketplace um, in a very long time, in fact, we're at uh, now 214 trading days without a 5% pullback, pullback uh, which is now uh, in second place versus a 404-day run that happened or ended in February 2 of 2018. So the stock market, as far as the S&P 500 goes, has been going for a long time. Now, what I look at this time and everybody is, is where is the stock market as far as a P-E ratio, which is take price divided by earnings? Now, Price divided by earnings is kind of an odd duck because 
some companies, if you do that number, it says nil, which means they don't have any earnings. So we have to take those out of that equation. But if we look at using a trailing 12-month earnings, this is from the article, uh, we have a P.E. ratio for the S&P 500. Um, it's typically around 14, uh, which was at the depth of the pandemic. Um, so at the high of it, we're actually at 27 at the beginning of 2021, which means the price versus earnings means that the market was actually way overpriced. Subsequently, if we compress everything together and put it down, we're at about a 23.1. Now, the normal is between a 10 to 20% average. So we dropped down about 14%. Well, that means that earnings probably went up more uh, versus the um, uh, the price went up to earnings went up to, uh, to fix that ratio. But we still remain about 15% above its historical range. So we look at this stuff, and so we ask the question, when is the stock market going down again? We don't know. Um, but... Um, the price to the earnings has actually improved itself since the beginning of the year. So the stock market has, you know, jumped up. Corp has been, of course, throughout the course of this year, we've seen that, but it went sideways literally throughout the course of the next couple of weeks. How much are these daily fluctuations or even weekly fluctuations important for the average investor? Um, they're not. Um, you know, we look at the, the stock market, and if you're watching the stock market on a daily basis, um, you're going to have a heart attack and die. You won't leave the money. Leave it to your spouse. <laughs> Just get it done now. Um, but we have to look at you know the the trailing and say, okay, what's happening now you know, over the course of this month versus last month or the month before. So the daily jumps up and down really don't matter so much. Um, I'll have people tell that will say, geez, the stock market was down 270 points. What do you think about that? I'm like, oh, good. Uh, aren't you excited? Well, no, because what happens today is not really telling us a trend that's going to occur. It's just what happened today. And so we see that, um, but more importantly, what's the P.E. ratio of the S&P 500, which is a, a real nice cross-section of what's going on in the economy. And, and things are improving from a P.E. ratio standpoint, showing that the marketplace, where it might have been really overvalued in the beginning of the year, is now improving. So what we're looking at in our office, as well as we see many other offices and economists that are out there, um, saying, okay, so, so with it, with all the people starting to come back to work, with all this cash we talked about before, the, the amount of cash that's out there looking for something to buy is still huge. Um, what's going to happen then over the course of the next quarter or two, uh, that should help give us a drive or a direction. Quite honestly, Tom, I hope the stock market drops 5% on Monday, maybe Tuesday. Then we can get it over with and start over again. Well, it, because it, the numbers right now still look good in the economy. You know, it's it, it's we've talked about this in the past, how counterintuitive it is to – uh, enjoy when the market goes down because you look at it as a buying opportunity and buying things on sale. But yeah. I mean, for most people, when they see a 270 point drop in one day, isn't their thinking going, uh, what's to stop that from happening for the next day and the next day and the next day. And sure. you don't want to wait four or five or six or seven days in order to make adjustments and yep. just watch those numbers keep going down. Um, but then that, again, that's the whole crapshoot of the stock market isn't it i mean when, when you're when you come right down to it it is a form of gambling even though you might have good information and you might have uh you know uh systems for want of a better word but it is still a form of gambling and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose well if we look at it from a day-to-day basis i think the answer is yes but unfortunately unfortunately i suppose the proper term Fortunately, if we look at it from a longer-term standpoint, we can look at the direction of where the economy is going. And so as we look at it in the direction of where the economy is going, it really doesn't become a 
crapshoot or a gamble anymore. Uh, if the economy continues to grow, our portfolio is going to grow. Um, if the economy looks like it's going to continue to shrink, our portfolio is probably going to shrink, or we have to change what investments we use. Um, and, and we have to do that based upon what's happening with that general direction of the economy. So from a day-by-day basis, yeah, it's, it's a crapshoot in that sense. Because I mean, I can't tell you what's going to happen on Monday. It, well, I know the market's going to go up or down. How's that for an answer? <laughs> Um, but I can't tell you what's going to happen I on Monday. I appreciate that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. But, you know, I can make a fairly good guess what's going to happen over the course of the next quarter as we continue to have expansion in the economy. We saw unemployment numbers down at, uh, you know, at a, a rate lower than people expected. We see the economy growing. We see profits continuing on with corporations. So I can take a guess, you know, next quarter or two, I'm going to guess that the economy is going to continue to expand. And my guess would be is that we'll see the markets continue to expand and grow, too not at the pace that we've had in this first half of the year, but I think we still add a couple shekels to the bottom of our portfolio as we go on for the next quarter or two at minimum. So that part I can feel pretty reasonable about. Now, you know, will the stock market drop 5%? Yeah, probably. When? Who knows? Um, I hope it happens soon so we can get it over with. <laughs> but well, We talked about this before, but, but in that's the past, probably going to happen. In the past as well, and even in, when the market goes down 5%, there are still sectors of the market that will resist that drop and and will be doing well and i guess your clients are probably asking the question where do where do i move my money during a potential drop like that in order to ease the fall or or keep it from falling yeah, altogether yeah. um who knows <laughs> but uh, but here's what we're seeing to start happening inside the marketplace now <clears throat> there tends to be a drift from uh from let's say the the high tech or the crazy stuff and the the it's called the high beta or high risk type of stocks um, in investments, we see a, a drift from there starting to go into the defensive stocks. When I mean defensive, it doesn't mean defense stocks as in military. Uh, defense stocks are the stocks that are, are bellwethers because we know we're going to end up buying and selling and we're going to continue to use those products over a long time. So, for example, a, a, a bellwether stock that's been out there, a defensive stock for years, has been Campbell's Soup has been a measure of that. Um, and I'm not saying to go out and buy Campbell's Soup, but, for example, because we're always buying Campbell's Soup, we always have to buy soup or food. Well, I, and so with that sort of stuff happening, we're seeing a drift starting to occur to large-cap defensive types of stocks, which is one of the reasons we're seeing the uh, the Dow continue to keep moving forward yet with everything going on. I saw a headline on one of the uh, websites this morning that said uh, it's time to move uh, or at least put a big chunk or bigger chunk of your portfolio in large-cap stocks in the next yeah. 6 to 12 months. I guess would that be part of that strategy? You're, you're hitting it right on the head. You know, Tom, you're – your transition into a capitalistic Republican is really going well. I'm really there's, proud of you. There, well done. There's there's no reason to be insulting now. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm complimenting <laughs> you, my friend. <laughs> so so you're hitting exactly on the head. So we're starting to see a a bit of a transition starting to happen. To that so from less of people wanting to do the the big high tech stuff uh, to more of people saying, well, geez, maybe I want some of those big companies. And they they pay some dividends as well, which is a um, a big transition, you know, folks, if we take a look back at the marketplace, you know, 75 years ago, uh, uh, even go back maybe as much as 50 years ago, when people bought stock, they didn't buy it thinking that the stock price was going to go up 20% a year. They bought it because it had a 3 or 4 or 5% dividend to it, and they would live off the dividends of whatever happened with the stock price happened with the stock price. And and because of that, dividends or dividends at that time were a little bit more than what you earned in a bank. Certainly that was the case today, but historically that was the case. So people would say, well, I want the little bit higher dividend that I'm getting, and I'll take the additional risk over the interest I'm getting inside of a bank. 
And we're starting to see that drift starting to happen once again. Well, I've asked um, this. I've asked this question before. Why yeah. don't you? Why don't you buy only companies that pay dividends? Well, I mean, why why wouldn't you do that? I'm a big fan of that, Tom. You know, what's interesting is is people say, well, geez, that, that company uh, doesn't pay much of a dividend. I said, does it pay a dividend? Yes. What's happening with what's happened with the dividends over time? And one of the things I look at is I want to see a company that not only pays dividends, but if preferably if I can find one that pays a dividend, that they grow that dividend over the course of the years. Um, I prefer that. So what dividend is, folks, is the profit of the company that's given back to the uh, owners of the company, which is you as the stockholder. And so a company can only pay a dividend if they make what, Tom? That would be money. money. Yeah. All right, so, they make a profit, yeah. Okay, exactly. I'll tell you what, let's we go to the that. phone here. We've got a call here. Let's go to the phone. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Yeah. Go ahead. Are you, are you still part of uh, 94.7, owners of it? Uh, yeah, but we're not going to talk about that on the air today. We are doing our financial show here. So, yeah, uh, one of our stations changed format in the last week, and some of the folks are not happy about that. So, 715-845-2155, the joys of live radio here this morning. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call here this morning. We'll be right back on WSAU. The, uh, the central banks around the world put out all of this support for monetary support during the pandemic. And now they're talking about pulling some of that back. And in fact, even this week, the European Central Bank announced plans to recall some of its support for financial markets, raising expectations that the Fed may soon follow in its footsteps. And the question that the article asks is, is the market ready to stand on its own without the support from the Fed and from the central banks around the world? Because obviously the stock market, even though it was down the last few days, has climbed uh, you know, to, to new heights. In fact, the NASDAQ was setting records this week, uh, yeah. and corporations making a lot of profit. In fact, record amounts of profit in many cases. So can the market stand on its own? What will happen when that monetary support is pulled back, the tapering, if you will? Well, um, we'll see. <laughs> so, Well, you know, if we take a look back um, when we stopped the stimulus as far as uh, the, the, uh, the Fed buying bonds, okay, so when the Federal Reserve is buying bonds and putting it out of its balance sheet, it's adding cash or liquidity to the marketplace. Same effect as lowering interest rates even further if that were possible. So, so with that being the case, then, um, the Federal Reserve, of course, is buying that. And, of course, the central banks around the world are having it. By the way, uh, folks, this didn't happen until the first time ever uh, was really 2008 when the first time this occurred. So, so with it, then, the Federal Reserve has been buying bonds, and the, under Ben Bernanke, Ben Bernanke said, okay, we're just going to um, stop. We're not going to buy any further ones at first. And then he said, well, um, we're just not doing it anymore. We're going to start selling some into the marketplace. And at that particular point in time, it was too much too fast, and we had what the term is a taper tantrum because they tapered down the amount of bond buying. So uh, we've learned from that, at least I'd like to believe, uh, from a Federal Reserve standpoint. So Chairman Powell said we're going to do it at a slower pace, and so – um, as we have bonds that are maturing, we're not going to replace them as we were in the past. We're going to let them mature and let those bonds pay themselves off. And so I think if we do it at a slow basis, I think we're fine, because the profitability inside of the marketplace is still there. Um, so I think we're going to be fine versus if we just simply start cutting it off and selling off a bunch of big chunks of it to get rid of the debt that we're, we we're holding on to, debt meaning holding on to the bonds that we're holding on to from a Federal Reserve standpoint. So as long as it's slow, I think we're fine, because right now we're still holding up the profit and it's working out well. So we'll see. Again, you, we don't know exactly, but we'll see. But you, it'll have an effect in the marketplace to help slow down inflation. At least that's the uh, the hopes. 
you've talked in the recent past about not being able to find bonds that are priced the way you want them priced in order to buy them. Will this change that? Will this make bonds more attractive to you and to other investors? Well, certainly. Um, If the Federal Reserve stops buying bonds, it's going to make the price lower. Right now, Tom, if I want to get rid of my mortgage-backed security that I have as a bank, let's say I've you know, um, uh, bought a bunch of mortgages or issued a bunch of mortgages from my local XYZ bank in Wausau, Wisconsin. Um, I can take those and I can bundle them and I can sell them out into the open marketplace, which is eventually going to go to the Federal Reserve. And I know that my price is going to be pretty good because of the price of those bonds are high. So the Federal Reserve says, well, uh, we're probably going to buy as much here or we're going to slow down the amount that we're buying. Well, now those bonds are going to go out in the open marketplace and essentially... Uh, for lack of a better term, it's going to go on an auction or a bid, and we're not going to get the price that we have. So it's going to force those bond prices down. It's going to force those values down. Um, so what that's going to mean, Thomas, for you and I to go out and buy some bonds, um, eventually those bonds are going to be at a lower price, which means you and I get a better yield for the money that we're paying. So remember, when the bond prices come down, the yields go up, which means we make some money. So I you, looked, folks, for, yeah, some, for some bonds uh, for some clients recently. Uh, we had some clients that want to go out and buy some municipal bonds. We're looking at 1.2, 1.3% for municipal bond. And the client said, do I want that? I said, no. Why take the, the, the risk that we can buy insurance on it for 1.1, 1.2%? Why do that? Uh, we can buy a CD for that and have you know, it FDIC insured and not have to take any risk of the, uh, with that and, and buying the CD. So, so with it, um, the bond prices are still overvalued, in my opinion, and I'm a big bond nut. I like bonds, if you've listened to this program. But right now the prices are still too high enough. So I hope the Federal Reserve actually slows down or tapers the amount of buying. I think it will help control inflation. And maybe it makes it so we have some bonds in case the stock market goes crazy. We have a place to run to and a place to buy. Well, is that what you do then when the bond price comes down to a reasonable level? You take some of your equities and, uh, and, yeah, and yeah. change them into bonds? So, Tom, here you go. You're going to get some macroeconomics to further your capitalistic uh-huh. uh, you know, venture here. You know, typically, by the way, as the ice maker is going off in the background, by the way. Um, so in here, um, you know, we, we go through a macroeconomic cycle. And so you typically go through a growth economy. We're Americans, so we always start with a growth economy. So if you have a growth economy, then you have an inflationary time, uh, which uh, people would certainly say that we, we might already be in. Um, though I think it's artificial at the moment, but you have an inflationary period of time. Uh, so then you go through a recessionary period of time and you come back to a growth again. So that's a macroeconomic cycle. It typically takes between seven to nine years to go all the way through that. And so some would argue, and myself as well, is that we were having a really nice growth economy, and in an instant we threw ourselves into a recessionary economy, and then back to a growth economy, and then back to an inflation, and it's happened within the last 18 months to two years with the whole pandemic's happened. And so we're in unprecedented times right now. We don't know how it's going to go, but we know how things will work. It's just happening at a pace that's faster than anybody's ever seen before. So, so with it, um, when you go through these different economic cycles, certain investments always do better than others during those economic cycles. You know, Typically, if you have a recessionary period of time, as you're coming to a recessionary period of time, stock market stinks, but the bond market's really well because during a recessionary period of time, interest rates go down, bond prices go up. Um, so we haven't had that part of it happen yet, but eventually bond prices will sell themselves out. And so you can go in and get a real nice interest rate with a good quality bonds. You can get a real nice interest rate and let the stock market settle itself out so we can drift money or move money over to the bond marketplace, uh, earn some interest rate there, even though the stock market may not, make it, may not make as much money as we think, but we're still making interest on the bonds. 
they actually call them dividends, but you get my drift. And so then as the stock market goes up, you drift money out of the bond marketplace and go back into the stock market. So it's a normal thing that happens um, over time as you go through that macroeconomic cycle. So even my uh, my friend, though I've never met him live, uh, Jim Cramer says, you know, there's always a place to make money. Uh, you just have to find out where it is based upon where you are in the economy. Um, and this, my friends, is no different than any other. We just have to look at what we're doing. All right, we're going to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. If you-, you can be too. Visit WeServe.org. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And, folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King. Merle Kelch on location today, but he can take your questions, 715-845-2155. We were talking about dividends earlier. If you wanted to buy a mutual fund that had nothing in it but companies that paid dividends, is that available out there? Absolutely it is. Matter of fact, Tom, I have to talk about an article that just popped up around the break. It says, Exercise would reduce the risk of developing anxiety by almost 60%. Researchers find an article by Catherine Wiles. I think it's BS. <laughs> okay. <laughs> From a guy who doesn't exercise very much. Well, I was walking through Boston. I'll tell you what, I put on more steps than I have in years. And my whole anxiety was, is my you know hip actually going to hold out until I make it to the next 30 yards? That's it. You know, well, and, I think and the article's it, BS. Then it didn't help to have those lobster <laughs> rolls and all the chowder that you were consuming as well. But, and I've had both. Yeah. I, I had my first lobster roll, and it was good. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. So um, I, we'll come back to the dividends. But I had a lot of fun here in the sense that since I've been to Boston many, many times, this is a big financial capital, obviously, folks. So I've been to Boston many times. And so... I took our friends to a place that it really did upgrade itself. It actually now has um, nutcrackers that break your lobster over. The first time I went there, which was probably 15 years ago, they gave you a rock, and that's how you break <laughs> over your lobster. Nice. So uh, so imagine the, the horror on my friends' faces when we went in there, and uh, they sat down and gave you a plastic lobster bib in a bucket. Uh-huh. That's how we had lobster. I think they were thinking about something maybe fancier, but you know, then again, it was me. Okay, so back to your question about dividends. Yeah, there are mutual funds that are out there. In fact, uh, they're doing really quite well as we're seeing this drift go to uh, more, as you talked about, talked about before, defensive stocks. And so there are mutual funds that are out, that are out there that not only do they buy, um, and it's one of my favorite mutual funds to use for people, um, not only do they buy uh, stocks that have dividends, but they only buy stocks that have dividends and continue to increase the dividends. So whatever the company might be, if their dividend is is uh, ten cents a share, and I'm making up a number here, folks, uh, you know they want to have it so that throughout the course of the year, the the quarters, that they make maybe make eleven, then twelve cents a share, and then maybe they make it to fourteen as time goes on. They want to buy stocks that do that. And yes, there's a lot of stocks that do that that are out there, and uh, and so this mutual fund does the homework and the research for all of us, and it's just a god awful boring stock because they just keep making boring mutual funds because they just keep doing well as time goes on. They're not the uh, the high-tech stuff where we're seeing, you know, 25, 30% rates of returns this year, like last year. Uh, but you know what? They're the they're the plow horse. They just keep moving on and just keep trucking. So, yes, they're out there, and they're great funds to have. 
You know, today we're celebrating the 20th, well, celebrating is the wrong word. We are uh, remembering the 20th anniversary yeah, yeah. of 9-11, and certainly in the financial industry, uh, there was a lot of chaos uh, in the days and weeks and months after 9-11, and some of that, I would imagine, still reverberates today. What are the changes? You were in the business uh, during, 9- oh, yeah, during yeah. 9-11. What, what are the major things that are different now with our financial industry than were then and and you know, can we avoid having a situation which happened after that attack uh, yeah, with the financial yeah. markets? You know, Tom, it's amazing because uh, you know today is actually the 11th itself, and uh, yeah. I remember it fondly because I had uh, uh, just sold my practice in Milwaukee and moved back home here to Wass at the time, and my office was full of the old, uh, you know, the white lifetime tables. Those were my desks and uh, staff chairs at the moment. We just opened it up, and we were supposed to see our first clients on the the, uh, the 11th. It was supposed to be our first day of seeing new clients. Wow. And we had to literally cancel them because all the markets were shut. We didn't know what was going on. So we had to cancel our first appointments in Wausau. We opened up our new office because of 9-11. So kind of an interesting time, but I remember it vividly. But what's interesting about this and how we've improved is that um, we now have more backup systems inside the marketplace. You know, NASDAQ, many people don't realize, is, the, uh, is, is actually a computer network. There's no trading floor for NASDAQ. NASDAQ does something different with what's called market makers. And so with it, it's all digitally traded. And so the, when the, you know, the, the airplanes hit, um, Wall Street went out of power um, uh, and uh, with that whole bit. But what's interesting about this then is that though the, the Dow shut off, um, NASDAQ was ready to go because it just simply switched to a backup system. In the backup system, it could trade. But NASDAQ shut off just in honor of everything else and to match what the Dow did. And so as a result of that, we've actually become more computer animated. Is that the term I want to use? Um, But the Dow actually has the ability to trade off floor in New York if need be now, which never was the case before. Does that make us more vulnerable to hackers? I mean... Can, can the market, I mean, we, we think of, you know, doomsday scenarios, whether it be the water supply or an electromagnetic pulse or ways that, yeah, ways yeah. that society could be uh, devastated and, you know, messing up the financial system sure. because of a computer hack certainly has got to be on that list. Does it make it more vulnerable? Being you know, all I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't think that it's more vulnerable just because of all the backup systems. You know, we've had, we've had Wall Street go out offline, and then obviously it happened during 9-11. Um, Wall Street went offline. I mean, we, we couldn't trade. It wasn't there. There was no power. We couldn't do anything. You know what? And the market actually did just fine. Um, it basically said, oh, here's what our prices were. When it opened back up and said, here's where our prices start, we started again. We just had to get all the systems up and rolling again. You know, gone are the days where you uh, wrote your receipts and uh, you know, the buys and sells and they got thrown on the floor and people gathered them up at the end. We haven't seen that happen in a few hundred years, but... You know, but uh, but it continued on. You know, the whole principle is that uh, we want to trade shares uh, for business and uh, that capitalistic background, and it's going to continue on. How we get there, of course, is the difference. You know, computer systems uh, run well, and you know, and, and I have to give this out to uh, to my friends in the computer world that do this sort of stuff for a living. They've already thought about this stuff, Tom. Um, you know. Uh, we have some people up here at Muckmuck right now that are IT people, and, and so we were having a little bit of a conversation last night. Um, but, uh, you know, smart man, and I know people that are in the industry, they've already thought about this stuff, Tom. You know, game, so, game theory and that kind of stuff? What's that? Game theory? They, they they game this all out as to what would happen and how the markets would react and what the the industry would do? 
Absolutely. Um, you think of, even with the electric magnetic, magnetic pulse. I mean, so so you uh, you have one of those happen. I hope it doesn't. But if it happens, so everything that's going to be turned on is going to have an effect. Everything that's turned off is not going to have an effect. And so with that, you have backups. You have bounce around all over the world. <clears throat> so, for example, if you're using cloud storage and you're using a good quality firm, uh, not only do they have your cloud storage backed up someplace, but it's backed up in multiple places around the world at the same time. Or it's backed up inside of media that has uh, no electricity or no nothing fired up to it, and so it has that type of backup to it. And so these companies have thought about that, and so I really don't have a lot of worry about that so much as far as the marketplace. Could it get hacked? Well, everything's possibly hackable, uh, but at the same time, it is also um, less hackable if you have a lot of strong security involved. You know, no offense to the, the companies that got hacked these past years and had the ransom to them, but I don't think they had their stuff where it was supposed to be. I think they were up to stuff on things uh, because, boy, I mean, I'm looking at just our little office here in Wausau, Wisconsin. The amount of security and uh, stuff we have to have is just insane comparative to what I've ever seen in any other place uh, in my lifetime. And so how these big companies got hacked into uh, is beyond me because there's so many firms that can put all the stuff in there so they don't get in. So I think they were just not up to snuff, in my opinion, as they got into it. So I Would you- assure you that we'll see the marketplace like the Dow and the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, these trading platforms have world-class security in them because I assure you somebody's already trying to break into them. Would you stay away from companies like that that got hacked? Would you say that uh, they're just not running their business the way they should and it's dangerous? Well, the unfortunate part is we don't know which ones are poor uh, until after after they're hacked. Yeah, until after it happens, right. Then after they're they're done, I'm thinking, well, they're probably pretty good now. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever ever watched the TV series Mr. Robot? About mm-hmm. computer hacker uh, that that basically does this. Oh, you, I think you would enjoy it. Uh, put that on your on your streaming list. Um, and uh, yeah, talk about doomsday scenarios. Uh, sure, there's one for you there. Seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five is the number to call here if you have a question for Merle. I'll tell you what. We'll take one more break. We'll come back with more here on WSAU. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there. But we can't let up. Stay informed with the latest COVID information variant. The good news we have is that we have a solution. At the top and 30 minutes past. The best way to protect yourself against the virus is to be fully vaccinated. From WSAU. And we're back here. I'm Tom King in the studio. Merle Kelch joining us on location today. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. What else you know, is on your plate? You know, Tom, you surprised me because you popped back up and I was looking for an article. So Okay. So now you're just going to have to wait well, a I'll, I'll let you. Uh, I'll tell you what. While you look for that article, I can remind folks that today we've got some programming changes, that the Brewer game will be moved to our sister station, 93.9 The Game. The Brewers taking on Cleveland tonight. That's because of Badger football. The Badgers facing off with the Eastern Michigan tonight at Camp Randall. Badger game day begins at 4 this afternoon right here. So as I was preparing for the radio show last weekend, um, I ran into an article that actually came through Bloomberg News on Bloomberg.com. And inside of their economic section, it's an article that says Americans who say they paid taxes are probably lying. It's an article by Jared Dillian. So in here, what's interesting is it kind of went through the the norm and uh, what happened throughout the course of the pandemic in 2020. And the norm is, folks, is that about 45% of the actual public doesn't pay any effective federal taxes. 
So it, because of the amount of, of income and the amount of uh, you know, credits we get back and so forth, about 45% of America really doesn't pay any federal taxes. Now, this is different when people say, uh, well, I, you know, my employer pays some taxes towards me. Well, that's not federal income taxes. That's supposedly, wink, wink, um, that amount of money that gets withheld by your employer from a FICA, Sudafuda standpoint goes into um, your uh, Social Security tax or unemployment tax. But this is the actual federal tax itself. So maybe we get withheld from your tax. As we know, many of us end up getting a refund at the end of the year. So with it, what happened as a result of the pandemic, that that dollar amount, again, this is an article that says Americans who say they pay taxes are probably lying uh, by Jared Dillian. Um, and this is from uh, last week, folks. So, But uh, in here, they say that that dollar amount um, actually, I'm sorry, that percentage actually increased to, and let me get the percentage here to the top of my thing, uh, some plus 60%, and of course I can't find it because I'm trying to see well, there's a, with bifocals. There's a story out there, you know, the, the from the uh, spend money to make money department that the government would like to, you know, put more money into the IRS enforcement of our tax code and, and yep. get the people that are avoiding paying their taxes or just ignoring and not paying their taxes, uh, and that investing that, that money in the IRS would pay for itself many times over if they can go out and, and find these people it that aren't be, paying their taxes. I'm, not, I'm sure that's true. Uh, but it still probably doesn't change the percentage. In fact, 2020, now that pops up in front of my head, um, some 61% of U.S. households paid no federal income tax in 2020, uh, up from that 44%, which was in 2019. And though it'll probably revert back, these things out of the article come back to the mid-40s again. Uh, but the question becomes, too, is, is there a minimum tax that we should be paying no matter what? Just as we're seeing the, the world community and the current administration saying, you know, corporations should have a minimum tax that they have to pay. Um, so inside of this article, they have a conversation saying, should we have a minimum tax that we should all pay regardless of what your income is, you know, whether it's 5% or 7% well, they, and or then, 10%. And, and they're so, not talking about the uh, the fair tax or the flat tax where it would be a consumption tax. They're talking about a, a flat just a minimum income tax, tax a minimum income tax. tax. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting part of this conversation. Or, I'm sorry, this article. Um, but it floored me when I saw that, you know, in 2020, it went up to 61% of people, uh, I'm sorry, the, the general public did not pay any federal taxes, um, leaving the other 40% to, to pay that tab. I find that, um, I find I that hard to high. believe. I find that hard to believe considering that they've taken away so many of the deductions, um, now that, um, you would think that, that more and more people would be, I mean, I don't. I don't. I guess I'd, I'd have to look at the math, but I don't see how those numbers would work. I mean, yeah, well, forty percent is is has been the norm for many many years. Uh, probably at least for a good twenty, uh, about forty mid forties, uh, people don't actually pay any federal income tax. So they may get withheld from their check. Um, uh, they get that money back in the form of a refund or some sort of a, a tax credit or for income or, or for children or something of like that nature. The money comes back. So that's really a norm. So, but 61% spiking up during the uh, uh, the pandemic really, really uh, surprised me. So that's a 20% float back and forth that occurred throughout the course of 2020. I thought the number was rather high and uh, astonishing to me. All right, we've got a few minutes left if someone wants to give Merle a call here. Uh, otherwise, when clients show up at your office on Monday, what are going to be the questions they're going to be asking you and what, what are they going to want you to do? Well, they usually ask what I'm wearing. You know, am I wearing Prada? Am I wearing... Uh, I, 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 I can't I can't picture you in Prada, and I don't want to picture you in Prada, but okay. I mean, fat guys can look sexy too, Tom. Okay. Don't judge. 
So uh, the big thing we're talking about here is a lot of clients coming in is, is what's going on with the recovery in the, the, uh, the marketplace. Um, what's happening with uh, the pandemic? Is the pandemic affecting things and that kind of thing? Um, and my answer is going to be, uh, no, I don't think the pandemic is really affecting much other than certain areas. Um, I think, as so many people have said, we're tired of the pandemic, let it go. And here's the reason I say this. You know, we were just out in, you know, for a little vacation, a long weekend out in Boston. As we're out there, of course, Boston uh, is, you know, mask everything. Yeah, we have to have masks all over the place. But what cracks me up, Tom, is literally not one restaurant, not two, not three bars, but all of them. Literally, you're walking up. You have to have a mask on. Okay, so you put your mask on. You go inside. Nobody in the bar has a mask on. They have, but you have to have the mask to walk into the bar. You have to have the mask to walk into the restaurant. You have to have the mask to get onto the ferry. But once people enter, everybody takes a mask off. And so I think the marketplace, um, as far as masks and a slowdown as far as the uh, current stuff that's going on, um, I think it's uh, it's uh, you're on your own. I think that's coming up, and so I don't think that the pandemic is really doing much. Well, but that, 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 cer- that we're having. that's certainly going to change if, in fact, we continue to see the spike we're seeing. I mean, emergency rooms filling up and and hospital beds at a premium almost everywhere now. Yeah, what's interesting is I looked at a look at the uh, the recovery as far as that goes, Tom. And yes, yeah, certainly uh, we had a, a spike up and a run up as far as the number of COVID cases and it's still happening. It's actually dropping off in the last course of the last two weeks, dropping off significantly. Not here in um, Wisconsin. I mean, in many other states, no. I mean, this, this is a, it, this is a national average. So you know, just looking at the numbers, but it's actually dropping off as a national average um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not saying that's good or bad, but that's what's actually happening with the numbers. But what's interesting about this is versus if we take a look at the pandemic uh, from um, uh, you know a year ago, is that the death rate per hundred thousand of people that are getting it. Um, is significantly less. In fact, uh, your, your response rate, I'm sorry, uh, probability of staying alive is over 99% against all, with, within all age groups currently. If you're vaccinated. If you're vaccinated. Yeah. And they're just looking at everything and thing. And you know what? Um, and, and if a person doesn't want to be vaccinated, in my opinion, again, it's your choice. Um, but the numbers show that if you're vaccinated, um, your probability of not having issues, um, or at least significant issues, is a lot better. Well, let people make their choice on how they want to do it. But again, businesses also have their choice on what they want to have for employees that are vaccinated or not. Um, I don't think we need to have government intervention in here, let people make their own choice. Well, it's going to be interesting going forward with the, uh, you know, uh, companies over 100. Uh, I mean, companies can basically, I think every, all 50 states are, are uh, you know, work states where a company can fire you for any reason. So this whole idea that people are, are revolting because companies are forcing their employees to get vaccinated, companies have a right to do that, and you have a right yeah. to go work somewhere else if yeah. you don't like it. Or you have a right to comply. Um, you have to follow other rules uh, if you want to work for certain companies. Um, so I, I, this whole idea of how this is infringing on your freedom, well, there are a lot of things that, that infringe on your freedom. Do we have total freedom in this country? No, we don't. There are all kinds of rules and laws that we have to follow. Uh, so how is that going to affect some of these major corporations when it comes to workforce? I mean, we already have more jobs than we have people available to fill them. I, you know, again, this is going through conversations with friends. And, uh, you know, I certainly have uh, the friends that are, you know, well, we have to comply and we have to do this. 
because that's what the government says. I have friends that are on that side of the world, and I have friends like, you know. Well, not just because the government says, it's because it's the right thing to do. I well, mean, it, it, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, Tom. I'm, I'm not arguing that point. But I have friends in that part of the world that say, you know, I, it, I'm, I'm not doing it. Uh, I have other friends that say, you know, we have to do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, and, and my opinion is, is I don't care either way, but I think we should be allowed to make our own choice. Um, so, you know, if you don't want to be vaccinated, that's your choice. But then the response to that or the, the repercussions could be is that you, your family, you know, could get sicker. Well, where, where, but where, where does that attitude stop then? Uh, if I decide I, I don't care if I'm drunk and get behind the wheel of a car, that's my right. I should be able to drink and, and still drive. I should be able to, you know, do dangerous things that affect other people. It's my right. I mean, where does that well, stop? Well, we do have that right, but the repercussions are, Tom, is that we end up getting fined and getting in trouble. Well, right, right. And, and maybe, you know, maybe maybe that does or does not happen from a vaccination standpoint. But um, I think we have that choice just as a business has a choice of, as you said, and I agree with you on this, is that the business then has the right to say, okay, you're not going to work here if you're vaccinated or um, or our company doesn't care if you're vaccinated or not, you know. But, but we need to have that choice. I, I don't like that the government mandates pretty much anything and i've always been a part of that but well, we're out we'll of time for, we're out of time for today if folks want to get a hold of you on monday how can they do that well tom you and i are going to have this continue this on 55 <laughs> feedback that <laughs> no that's that, that, it'll be the opposite of that i would imagine oh. <laughs> on feedback yes <laughs> folks give us a call monday morning third avenue or 8-4, outside of the wasa area at 866-355-5100 or stop by and visit us on third avenue and bridge street in wasa wisconsin stop on in say hello kick have a cup of coffee or find us online at kelsonassociates.com. Does anybody ever come in the building and ask where the tires are to kick? Um, no, but they come in for coffee. Okay, all right. <laughs> we'll talk to you again. I think we've got Alan coming in next week. And Alan we'll talk... next week. You got it. All right, we'll talk to you in a couple all of right, weeks. That's Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates here in Wausau. Coming up on 9 o'clock, we've got the Polka Shows after the news. We've got the Badger football game later at 4 o'clock, the Brewer game moving to our sister station, 93.9 the game tonight from Cleveland here on WSAU. WSAU, Wausau, WSAU-FM, Rudolph, Stevens Point, Marshfield, Wisconsin Rapids, and 95.1 FM, W236CO, Wausau.